if I'm not going to get any money, could I at least have some small sense of pride? Please, please, please. Just give me the pride. No, I cannot. Okay. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Boston Bruins again. And we are joined again in a good way by Skylar from Stanley Cup Chowder. How are you doing, Sky? I'm doing great. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So it is going to be precisely one month between the first Bruins game way back in October and this Bruins game. And back then we had very little to talk about because I think it was the second game for the Bruins and maybe the uh, third for the Flyers. Third or fourth. It was, it was like the that. second game for us. So. Yeah. So not a lot happening. Yeah. Very time. small sample sizes for that kind of thing. Yeah. Before we get into how the Bruins have been doing over the past month, I have a very important question. Mm-hmm. Why in the whole wide world are the Bruins off for one entire week between games? This schedule is the dumbest schedule perhaps any team is playing right now. Like, the, it seems to be that the, that the Flyers seem to be the end of all of these giant waits. Because at the beginning of the season, uh, they played one game and then they waited four days to play the Flyers. They played Buffalo and then there's like a three-day wait in the middle of the day, middle of the week, to watch another team play. They play Florida on the 30th and then they have to wait all the way until the 4th to be back in Boston to play the Detroit. I know that it's going to get a little more amped up in December and January as they have to fit the all-star break and the uh and the olympic uh break in the middle of it like it's going to be real bad uh their december and january is just gross to look at but for right now it is just unreal how weirdly this schedule is set up i i presume that every team has like a break in the middle of their schedule but with this uh, how truncated everything is thanks to the Olympics. Uh, every schedule is just going to have some weird thing like this in it. And we get to suffer for it. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, there's definitely some, always some weirdness. But I was just like, so the, the Bruins schedule on the official Bruins website looks completely different from the official schedule on the Flyers official website. So it was like one oh, of those yeah, things. Oh, you yeah, you guys get the, you guys get the, like the a normal deep, schedule. <laughs> like a normal schedule for like two months. But I can see somewhere in here there's going to be some weird th- two, three way, three week waits yeah. that are, that are going to be in here. I think I, I genuinely don't understand why this was implemented the way it was. I, I hope that the schedule makers have some sort of reason for it. They probably don't. I think it's probably just computers. But yeah, so I was before we were doing this, I'm like, let me let me look and see what's going on with the Bruins. And it was like, you know how when you go to a supermarket and it's like not your supermarket Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, this is familiar to me. But but I don't. Yeah, I'm not really sure. The layout is entirely screwed up. Yeah. Am I looking at this correctly? So I'm going through the Boston Bruins schedule on their website, which looks completely different from the Flyers schedule. So I was like, am I? Am I missing something? Or are the Bruins no, they are on a fine, rested on a, for an entire week ahead of playing, playing the Flyers? No, they are. They've got a five-day wait. I don't understand why. Who Who's I, to say? 
why this happened. As a as a Bruins guy, are you looking at that break thinking, yes, the team will be rested ahead of p- playing the Flyers? Or are you looking at this as like, oh, no, they're going to be stale ahead of playing the Flyers? A little more of column B than column A. I think one thing that happened over the course of the last couple of years is that I think we noticed that the Bruins are very much a momentum-based team. Um, if they have to start and stop and start and stop like this, they tend to be pretty, they tend to get rusty or they tend to overthink themselves. They get too much time in practice and they just, they don't have enough time to just go. They don't have enough time to not overthink things. And, but at the same time, right now anyway, I think it's in their best interest because uh, recently they've been having some defensive struggles and if you can work that out with coaching, then so much the better that every day you're going to practice and, you know, working on breakouts or working on transition or working on uh, penalty killing or something like that. I would be, I I would hope that they are using this time productively because history has shown when they have these giant day, these long uh, uh, vacations, they tend not to do very well at the end of them. So if my math is correct, and by math I mean counting, uh, mm-hmm. the Bruins have gone seven and four yes. since playing the Flyers back in October. Uh, what's been going well for them over this stretch? Uh, it's been mostly the same things that it's normally been. Um, Brad Marsh and uh, Patrice Bergeron and David Posternock have been playing out of their minds, which is good because they kind of need that. Um, Jeremy Swayman is as advertised. That's the thing that we can all get behind. Uh, they've been playing very, very well. Charlie McAvoy has exploded in terms of point tally. He's got 12 points. He's got, he has three goals. He's already topped his, uh, uh, most recent, uh, highest goal uh, total. Sorry. And, uh, uh, Taylor Hall has looked just as good as normal and, even, and this is just a minor one, Jake DeBrusque is rounding back into form. That's a good thing, especially considering, you know, their third line kind of needs a little help sometimes. So I like that there's someone who is involved and is trying to get some points on the board uh, for in their depth. Yeah, I noticed on your very good website that Charlie McAvoy was named second star of the week this week. So I guess he, especially recently, has been kind of oh, on he, fire. He's been a... He's been on he's been on his horse over the last uh, weeks. Uh, over the last week, he had five points, uh, including two goals against Montreal, which is always good. Uh, he had a very productive night against the Devils. Um, he's been he's been as advertised, and given that they're going to be paying him nine million or something to that effect for the next you know eight or seven or eight years, uh, they kind of need him to be because mm-hmm. as, as uh, this team's big stars or current big stars as I think we can describe them uh, matriculate out or get priced out thanks to the cap uh, he's going to need to be their rock and a lot of fans haven't quite accepted that yet I think there I think there's a lot of people that see defensive responsibility in air quotes as like the be all end all of what a number one defenseman is in the National Hockey League which is just not the way that uh, number one defensemen always are. They're the guys that 
have strong possession. Uh, if they screw up, they can get back in front of uh, the other players. Uh, if they can get, if they can, you know, score and then also shot block and then create transition. That's what a number one defenseman in the National Hockey League looks like now. And Charlie McAvoy is obviously that. It's just taking uh, some holdouts from a, from a different time, uh, some time to figure out that this is what we need. And I hope in the near future, this becomes much more clear without the team having to be bad. So you mentioned Taylor Hall playing mm-hmm. well and just kind of like glancing over the box stats. I was going to ask about him because through the Bruins 13 games, he has nine points to like Marchand's 19, Bergeron's 13, mm-hmm. Pasternak's 13. In my head, I expect Taylor Hall to, I guess, be, I don't know, higher up the list offensively. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, not really knowing anything about the Bruins game because I don't watch them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so so Taylor Hall has been playing up to what you would say Taylor Hall should be playing as? I would say that he is doing very well for what they ask him to do. One of the things about Taylor Hall that has plagued him throughout his career is that people don't really understand what he does. Um, Taylor Hall is not a goal scorer. He's not a sniper. He is a guy who creates goals. That's not the same thing. Like, That's a good if point. You, so if you go through... Uh, their natural stat trick uh, charts. Uh, the team has all the, there's all these different stats, but here's the thing that I want to hone in on. Top three players in unblocked shot attempts for Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshan, Taylor Hall. And that's important mm-hmm. because uh, right now, guys like Charlie Coyle are on their skaters list, ninth on that list. And the number of players that have matriculated out on that right wing spot uh it's it's a little troubling the way that that second line has had a lack of cohesion really the one thing that's been going on and and been working for them is taylor hall is trying you know he's not Mm -hmm. a first he's not a first line player he's gonna get uh different minutes and if you look at the way that his stats are uh allocated the way that his points are allocated you know, he's not just scoring. He's a, he's getting uh, Charlie Coyle to score goals. He's getting uh, one of his defensemen to score goals. Uh, he's had one of the many forward, forwards that have uh, replaced Craig Smith throughout the couple last couple weeks to score goals. He's doing what he's supposed to, and his shooting percentage is pretty good. So I think uh, the goals will come. He will get his highlight reel stuff, but he's also... But I also think that fans need to get used to the idea that Taylor Hall has always been the guy who what creates the the scoring play rather Mm -hmm. than the guy who cashes in on the scoring play. I think he's doing very well for what uh, they're asking him to do, especially given that that second line right now is going through some turmoil. Oh, elaborate. Well, the second line. So Craig Smith. Normally an excellent player. Um, He had some injury concerns coming into the year. And then, you know, it's like, all right, well, that's fine. He can uh, pop in whenever he wants to. Uh, He uh, he's played eight games so far and. um, He hasn't scored yet. And that's a bad thing for a guy like Craig Smith, because Craig Smith is the epitome 
of consistency. He was a second line player because he could be consistent uh, uh, no matter where you put him. And the problem is, is that uh, we kind of needed him to help Taylor Hall help Charlie Coyle. Does that make sense? It does. So Charlie Coyle, fantastic player. Um, I wouldn't call him a career second line player. So someone like Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, who have been in the top six of the NHL for forever at this point, they can help someone like Coyle uh, adjust to the role. And because he had injury problems and because I think he had a uh, COVID uh, issue at one point, um, Smith just doesn't seem to have uh, the 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 legs under him that he needs mm. and that's a problem because if you can't have two players help out your center to be a better player then your center is going to need to have more more put on them and they've had players like uh, Carson Kuhlman who is fine they've had Kurt, Curtis Lazar out there who is fine but they're not you know they're not second line players so having someone who has who is trying as hard as Taylor Hall is Mm -hmm. Even if that means you give up the puck, even if that means that you spend a little more time in your de uh, defensive end than you want to, um, I think that's important to have because if not, um, any stereotype of this team being a one-line team just gets more or less confirmed if you can't get these guys going. So I have I will give all the credit in the world to the way that Taylor Hall is playing because I know that if this were even slightly worse, this team would be in a very bad way. So I think you mentioned that the defense has been struggling over the last month. What's been going on there? Um, to put not to put a too fine a point on it, almost every player that isn't Charlie McAvoy has regressed. Um, I, I think that of the players that are currently going through going through it at the moment, I think Matt Grizzlick is better because I just think his talent level is so much higher than that of the other uh, defensemen. But you've just had problem after problem after problem with these guys. Um, John Moore has only uh, drawn in once. I don't remember that. So frankly, I think consider that a positive for him. <laughs> uh, but Connor Clifton has been playing extremely high event hockey and not always in the good way, because when he's on, he's on and he's doing stuff that's good. And if not, he 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 looks awful. Uh, Brandon Carlo has looked extremely immobile. And that's not something you want from a, def a responsible defensive defenseman who's been playing otherwise fairly decent hockey, um, especially considering that he came back from an injury and has routinely started to look a little less effective. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Mike Riley, who also does a super high event, very mobile offense first hockey for a defenseman. And that sometimes worked. That's sometimes very not worked, especially when it comes to these breakout passes that he will just hand off to uh, other players. And then guys like Derek Forbort, who Molly well, has three points, just he's big for nothing. Mm. Like as a big 219, 6'4 dude, 
uh, teams should be having a little more trouble getting to the front of the net with you there than a lot of other players. And it's it's just frustrating because you know that this team is good at defense nine times out of ten. So what happens is, is that if it's never just one defenseman, it's two defensemen, it's individual players across a pairing. It's, mm. you know, it's one bad decision that completely tanks the whole game. It's the fact is, um, th- if you feel as a Bruins fan that this defense isn't getting it done, I, I don't blame you because, you know, these players should be doing much better given the system that uh, Bruce Cassidy runs. And they're just, they, for whatever reason, it's uh, mental lapses, it's uh, decision-making that's poor, or it's just uh, failing to take care of business. And it, it's not its not going to work out in the long run. We saw it throughout the season so far. You know, you can't, you probably could expect to lose a game to the Edmonton Oilers. It is right. as of right. It is as of right now unconscionable to give up uh, wins to teams like uh, the Florida, the Florida Panthers, or uh, just barely squeak out wins over uh, te- over teams like the Panthers in shootouts. Yeah. Or it is unconscionable to have these games where, yeah, you have done better over time but you shouldn't be having this much trouble with like the carolina hurricanes who are all you know dipsy doodle real skill over everything sort of deal that was the in theory the way that your team was intended to uh hard counter Mm -hmm. you know and you know you've had toronto's goat for however long and toronto kicked you up and down the floor on the sixth they beat you and they kept beating you until the horn sounded. And that is on their defense. Their defense cannot impose their will. They can't, as of right now, only one or two players can really consider themselves effective. And a lot of that falls on uh, the players themselves. I don't understand why they're regret, reg- uh, regressing rather, uh, the way that I thought they wouldn't. But part of it is also, you know, Eventually, you just have to start getting used to the fact that you'll have to move different uh, defensemen around. I don't think that Charlie McAvoy needs to be playing with Derek Forbort. I understand that a lot of fans really don't want to see like a Forbort Clifton pairing, but all, the the point of the game is to win, and that and any permutation of Charlie McAvoy and one of the defensemen that isn't struggling is going to make you a winning team. And that's just what drives me crazy about this whole thing is that this should be better and it's not. Yeah, I mean, Boston fans generally, I think, are not used to the idea of their team perhaps not being just at the top of the pack start to finish. Because, I mean, for the last... God, like almost a decade mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference, the Bruins have been very easily every season right at the top of the pack in the Eastern Conference. So I guess like if this is, as you said, kind of the start of a transitional period 
for the Bruins, this might be the way things are for a little while, but that's one of those things that you, I mean, like no one really knows what's going to happen, yeah, but that sounds like something that we'd have to figure out in say, yeah. like March. Yeah. Cause like it's early I, still. It, it's early still. I think we know that pain is coming. If you go to their cap friendly, you look at the contracts that have been signed by Don Sweeney, you go, uh, there is going to be very little way that this team comes out of this year with a completely like ready to compete. Like they'll have Charlie McAvoy and they'll have Brad Marchand and Taylor Hall and uh, David Posternock. Mm-hmm. But you st- but the guys who are struggling are on big long contracts like Charlie Coyle is here till 25, 26, and he's 29 and he's struggling with his role. Like he's he's done better. He's he had two goals against Montreal. That's pretty cool. But he's still struggling. He's still having trouble. You have Nick Foligno on a no move until after next year. You have Craig Smith here on a three on three point one, and he is struggling. And you're just looking at all of these little contracts and going, oh, my God, they need to sign Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. And that they're looking down this lineup. There is no one who can replace that. And if you don't make some painful decisions with your roster, you will have to cut off your nose to spite your face. We know that pain is coming. I think a lot of fans just wanted to believe that pain was was could be you know shunted off a little bit like mm-hmm. delayed like saying i can i can get a surgery that will save my life in you know 6 weeks when <laughs> when what you have could kill you in 3 like right. that is the like we know that the problem is there we just it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it real it's really hit yet and and so the fact that it's come so early is creating panic you know there's been a a commenter on uh stanley cup of chowder who has been banging the drum to trade to trade david posternock for mural heiskanen because they believe that having a defenseman over one of three Hmm. players who's scoring (laughs) and let's make this clear they do not have the prospects to make up for that is going to make things better. That's where we're getting into a little, a low boil of panic. Yeah. Yeah. When you start kicking around ideas in the fan base, like trading David Posternock for not offense, you know, it's a very Bruins thing to do. I can say that with certainty. (laughs) It is a, it is one of the many most Boston things to do is say, at this point we are bad. Well, we're not bad. We're struggling and having and having scoring and defense issues. Trade the scoring for defense. And then that's these the people, way. And then these people will be on talk radio in about five weeks going, we can't finish. No we one's scoring any goals. Finish. Nobody is scoring goals. I am upset. I'm and wicked wonder- mad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do they still say wicked they, up there? They do. <laughs> there. It, it's. It's driving me crazy that people are still trying to, you know, haggle to keep competitiveness together when 
really the issue that you have is that your defense kind of having trouble. But a lot of the same problems that you had last year are still here. You still are kind of a one-line team. You still have uh, a lot of trouble behind uh, your goaltender, who you probably should be a little more uh, cognizant of these days because it's no longer Tuca. So I, I think fans are getting are not quite ready for pain. They know it's coming, but they're not ready for it. We're never ready for it, Sky. No, no, we're not. So the Bruins are coming off of two wins. Yes. The Devils and the Habs last week when they last played a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just presume that they're coming in hot off of those two wins. What do the Flyers you know, five need days to... later. Yeah. You know, what is time? It's not real anyway. <laughs> um, what do the Flyers need to do to stop the Bruins from getting a third win? Well, they did a pretty good job of it uh, the last time they played. They did, you know, they, but they, things they atta- are different. Things are different. Things are different. But they, the Bruins have shown that if you can uh, force their defensemen to overthink their decision-making, if you can uh, keep them in the zone for a long time, they uh, there will be breakdowns. And if you can get the bottom six, there will be breakdowns. If you can get guys uh, like Brandon Carlo to make bad decisions, there will be breakdowns. And this is, I swear to God, I'm not picking on this player when I bring it up. If Olmark is in net, the only thing they have to do is just make lateral passes across the net. Because Linus Olmark mm-hmm. is, he's a, he's a nice guy and he plays very well, well for what he does. But his lateral movement in net is just, it's it's not up to par. I know that he was good with the Sabres, but I think part of that is that the Sabres were capable of stopping those kind of things and were capable of stopping uh, two-on-ones or two-on-zeros from becoming the worst thing that ever happened to them. Mm. Um, he was, I think he also was easy, was better at uh, grabbing, at uh, grabbing two-on-one chances like that. Cause He's fine when you get when he can make that first save. It's that when he has to move around and get set again, uh, he's sluggish. And so if you can just get Linus Allmark moving around, then you should be then you should be fine. Now, if Swayman starts, which is in uh, let me just double check this here, uh, four days here, so I, we don't have a clue. Um, the the thing that you will be given as a at least as as po- as a positive for the Flyers, is that you will get two. You will always get two with uh, Jeremy Swayman. Is that right? You yeah. For whatever reason, his yeah. his his games are good. That's this is the thing. He will give up two goals, but then you have to get that third, mm-hmm. and that's the problem because this team can score on you. This power play is very lethal, but. You still have to get that third one past Jeremy Swayman if you manage to get it. So you either have to uh, stymie the first line or you have to uh, hope that Lena Solmark is in net because then you'll probably get what you desire out of it. I'm guessing after this long vacation, we're going to get Swayman. That's yeah. just what I'm assuming anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bruce said uh, over the last couple of weeks that 
he would decide on who was the starter uh, when one player comes and like really takes over the job, at least in his idea. But if you look at their comparison, it's it, it's just not it's there. There is no comparison. Like Swayman has a five two and zero record. Linus Allmark is at five hundred. Their save percentage, uh, Jeremy Swayman's save percentage is almost ten point zero ten higher. Uh, he's his goals against average are better. He he's the he's the starter, right? Uh, uh, you can say as whatever you want to uh, local media. That's your starter, and treating Linus Allmark like he has preferential decision making or that he has quote unquote harder starts. That's insane. That yeah, he's, he's the better player. Yeah, I mean, it, from an outsider's perspective, seems very clear who the starter yeah. is. Okay, I, I think. Money, though. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, why did you give Linus Olmark a no trade clause? That was a choice. It Giving a, a goaltender a no trade is it a was choice. A super bad one. Yeah. yeah. NHL GMs. Are gonna I, I love giving no trade clauses to people. I love it. It's the only yeah. thing I crave in life. Yeah, love to make my job harder for mm-hmm. no particular reason. Mm-hmm. So I guess the last thing, um, well, not the last last, but second to last. Any particular player that's playing super well that we should keep an eye on? Um, I will give some props to uh, for as much as I had discuss you know, concerns with the way that uh, the way that they had started the year and had been going into this game. Uh, Charlie Coyle has picked it up. He's had uh, three goals in his lat. He's had uh, three points in his last five games. He's done very well. Um, I think he's, I'm not sure he's turning a corner, but he's getting there. And that's what's important. I will give uh, Oscar Steen some credit. He played very very well in his first game back up uh i would like to see him uh hopefully score a goal in uh if he draws into this next game and once again um charlie mcavoy is your second star in of the week for a reason he's absolutely insane he's head and shoulders the number one defenseman of this team and we and we are all very we should all be very lucky to have a player like him in our uh, in our lineup. All right, and now the last last thing, which you mm-hmm. know, final score of the game. All right. Um, unlike last time, I I am older and wiser now and know how this <laughs> team works. So I am gonna say that it is going to be much much closer than my initial thoughts were. Uh, I believe that this will be a close 4-3 game, but I do think your Boston Bruins are going to win it. Okay, I respect that. I am still not prepared to put a Flyers loss into the universe, even though I, too, know things and should probably reconsider this, but... Are you sure? The Flyers are pretty good at that. Despite coming off games against Calgary and Tampa Bay, while Boston is presumably, I don't know, like drinking oat milk lattes 
and watching injecting kale shakes and those kind yeah, of things catching up on the season of bake off whatever they're doing with this entire week off mm-hmm. i'm going to say that carter hart maybe it'll be Car- it'll pro- okay let's say carter hart and let's say he stands on his head again, as he has been doing over the last few games for the Flyers. And since the Flyers can't score any goals, and I think that they're going to win this game, I'm going to say two to one Flyers because Swayman will give us two. Okay, that is a that's a reasonable uh, that's a reasonable thought. A little bit based in science, based on yeah, what you told yeah. me. I, I appreciate your use of uh, <laughs> the scientific method here. I learn things on these podcasts. Even if it is directly against my best interests. (laughs) Signs do be like that sometimes. Skylar, thank you very much for doing this. Where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me at skyonair underscore on twitter.com. You can find me at stanleycupofchowder.com. I am normally uh, writing every once in a while. Um, I'm more... I've currently taken a bit of more of an editorial role, but Ooh. as of right, but I'm looking to get, but I'm looking to get back into more discussion of the Bruins once I get into, once I uh, can figure out my uh, my my exact thoughts on what's going on with the Bruins, uh, and then you can also find me at uh, Davy Jones Locker Room, uh, the Kraken blog for SB Nation. I just wrote a thing about the uh, difference between understanding. Uh, of being a winning team and getting being a winning team. It's uh, down the uh, bottom right. I hope you enjoy it. It's very good. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about uh, where I am on the internet these days. Godspeed over that Kraken blog because mm. that poor team is going full Dave Haxtell right before I, our eyes. It's so great. I love this coach so much. I just see, I, I see so much like discussion about like what's going on in Seattle. And I'm like, did I like Mandala affect myself? Like, did did no one else watch the Dave Axtell tenure in Philadelphia? Because he's doing the same thing. It's just, you figure eventually, maybe it was personnel, maybe it was what he had to work with. But I think that that was a pipe dream for the answer of this is who he is and who they've been. And we are not we're not really giving him the stink that he deserves for it. Yeah, yeah. He never really had a super good team while he was here. So even if he was Barry Trotz, he probably wouldn't have had much success here. But he was also just he, not, he was just not as a good big coach. part of that yeah. s- not lack good. of success as anyone else. And I am very sad to see that he has learned literally zero lessons. Well, yeah, coaches don't coaches don't learn anything. Coaches don't smartest understand. men in the room. Yeah, you you'd hear, you'd think, you'd they'll think. tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sky. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope that you enjoy the game. I hope that everyone listening enjoys the game. Go Flyers. Go Bruins.